This is the Sloss Sports Show on Anchor.fm, weekly episodes highlighting and breaking down the biggest stories across sports. Make sure to keep up with the latest episodes and breaking news on Twitter by following at Sloss Sports Show and keep up to date with the latest breaking news around the NFL. The official site of the show, knoble87.wixsite.com slash Report. And now, here's your host, Cole Noble. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Slaw Sports Show. As always, I'm your host, Cole Noble, a.k.a. Slaw, here for another episode this week, continuing our NFL uh, season previews, breakdowns. Um, today, as you can tell by the title and the thumbnail, we'll be focusing on the NFC East. However, we do have breaking news to discuss a major trade that just went down in the last hour, maybe hour and a half or so, in the National Football League that we will be discussing at the start of today's episode. But before we get to that big trade, uh, just want to say thanks for joining. Uh, thanks for all the support, continuing to stop by the Slaw Sports Show and the channel. Um, if you're live on YouTube, uh, following along, why not hit the like button? Uh, why not also hit the subscribe button? I mean, if you like the content, you're coming back on the regular time and time again. If you want to keep up to date with our weekly episodes and doing our season breakdowns, why not hit subscribe and also hit that notification bell? It'll let you know when we go live. We got a little bit of a wonky schedule all the time here on the Slaw Sports Show, so that keeps you up to date of what's happening, when we're live, um, what episodes are coming out, all those times, uh, types of things so you can stay up to date with what we're focusing on here on the channel. Uh, for those of you tuning in on the podcast as well, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, those listeners, thank you for you know listening. Um, thank you for listening throughout your everyday drive, wherever you could be, um, and just continue to share that as well on the podcast. And you know, just even the listen um, is a huge support for the channel and for the growing brand. So thank you all for tuning in, and thank you all for watching. Now let's go ahead and get started. Big trade, huge trade in the National Football League today. Baker Mayfield is finally on the move from the Cleveland Browns, and he is going right here in North Carolina to the Carolina Panthers slated to be their new number one quarterback it seems like but it will be an open competition between him and Sam Darnold it seems like as we get closer to the start of training camp later this month so Baker Mayfield finally on the move you know back earlier this offseason requested you know formally requested a trade from the Cleveland Browns um, before they you know traded for Deshaun Watson right when that Deshaun Watson talk started heating up in Cleveland before you know it died down reignited and then the trade happened. This has been going on all offseason. The Baker Mayfield dilemma. What's going to happen with him? Where is he going to go? There are all, you know other teams that were potential suitors for Baker Mayfield. The Seattle Seahawks most notably um, over the last couple of weeks. But the Carolina Panthers have been doing their due diligence. They've been talking with the Cleveland Browns for weeks now. Trying to get this deal done. Trying to figure out the money and the financials in this situation. And get a deal done to land Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield finally now coming over to Carolina, getting out of Cleveland, and now set to a you know more better and maybe supportive environment in Carolina with the Panthers now going into this season. So I'm excited for Baker Mayfield getting this trade done. I'm excited to see what he does now in Carolina. So let's like analyze this trade. And first and foremost, what I want to do is talk about you know who won, who lost, and you know Baker Mayfield easily win. A win for Baker Mayfield, getting out of Cleveland, getting that trade, you know, finalized that he wanted to do to get out of town, and also going to the Carolina Panthers. I mean, not a bad team to end up on, you know, a easy, I would, you know, I would say easy, an easy division. I mean, you're going up against, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, you know, the team you're looking up at right now with Tom Brady coming back. The Saints could offer a little bit of trouble, but the Falcons, they look like a bottom five, bottom three team in the league this year. So a little bit of some easy competition in that division, the NFC South. And, I mean, defensively with the Carolina Panthers, they look right on track. And now this offense with Baker Mayfield potentially running the shots, throwing to DJ Moore, throwing to Robbie Anderson. Uh, we got Christian McCaffrey, hopefully healthy for a full season in the backfield. That's a roster that can win. And what they have defensively, that's a roster that can win a lot of games this season. And, you know, maybe make it in there as a wildcard team. Maybe make it in as one of the three wildcard teams and Carolina Panthers could potentially be back this year with Baker Mayfield at the helm. So Baker Mayfield's a win. The Cle um, excuse me, Carolina Panthers are also a win. A conditional 2020, uh, 2024 fifth-round pick that they traded to get Baker Mayfield and also got him on a bargain deal, 
easy win for the Carolina Panthers. Even if Baker Mayfield's not their guy, they're still paying, I think, $23 million with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield on their books. So the Carolina Panthers, that is a win for you in this trade. And also, a loss. I mean, a loss in this one is the Cleveland Browns. I mean, yes, the Cleveland Browns got rid of Baker Mayfield, but ultimately, was that the right decision? We still don't know what the outcome is going to be with Deshaun Watson later. You would think this month, maybe in the next month. But once you get closer to training camp, we're going to get answers on Deshaun Watson. And right now, if Deshaun Watson gets suspended six games, gets suspended a season, two seasons, multiple seasons, whatever the case, they right now in the in Cleveland are going to have to rely on Shakoe Brissett to be their guy. And you know maybe they sign him to start a couple games. I don't think they signed him to start a full season in Cleveland. And they rode Baker Mayfield out of town and now have no answers behind him if Deshaun Watson ends up getting suspended later this month. So a big loss for the Cleveland Browns. You know, getting rid of their former number one overall pick, the guy that led them to the playoffs two years ago, and to shun him away this past season, shun him away this offseason, kicked him out of town. I think this is a loss for the Cleveland Browns. The other thing, maybe two losses in Carolina from uh, Robbie Anderson and Ben McAdoo. I mean, Ben McAdoo, you talked about who he had ranked above Baker Mayfield in the 2018 draft class, and also Robbie Anderson. Um, he, you know, you're going to see it around on social media right now, but back when the Carolina Panthers maybe had interest in it, um, I remember there was a post on Instagram, and Robbie Anderson, you know, the chosen one on Instagram, commented no with a lot of O's. I think maybe an exclamation point under that post of maybe Baker coming to Carolina. Well, Robbie, that's now the you know now the case. So if you think that maybe you're the big loser because of all this, that's yeah, you know, that's something else from you, buddy. Um, because ultimately, I think Baker Mayfield is an immediate upgrade for this team. Is a huge need that they needed, and you know maybe Robbie doesn't want his you know buddy replaced at quarterback in Sam Darnold. Too bad. It seems that's going to be the case once we get around toward August and September when games start. Baker Mayfield's going to be the starting quarterback of this team, and he's going to be the one throwing them the ball, and it's going to be an immediate upgrade over what this team had last year. So DJ Moore, you finally got a competent quarterback throwing you the ball. Robbie Anderson, get over yourself. He is now your quarterback. But the biggest loser, the biggest loser of this trade, and I said it on Twitter, the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks should have jumped on Baker Mayfield, and they did not do that. I talked about it. I think two weeks ago on my NFC, actually early last week, um, on my NFC West season previews, the Seahawks are in trouble. Because on their quarterback roster right now, they have Geno Smith and Drew Locke battling it out for the starting job this season. And I don't know how Pete Carroll is going to you know live through it. I mean, I don't know how he is going to go a full season with those two guys as his starting quarterbacks. And the only thing Seattle can hope for right now is San Francisco cutting Jimmy Garoppolo. Because there are no other quarterbacks on the market that I think will be traded before the start of the season. And I don't think the San Francisco 49ers are going to trade in division to the Seattle Seahawks. So the Seattle Seahawks missing out on Baker Mayfield, not making a trade, and you know getting in here before the Carolina Panthers were able to finalize this deal. They are the big losers of this trade. Now let's rely on our friend here, Mike Garofolo, uh, to talk about just some financials. Uh, so pull up... Um, here it is. Pull up this tweet here from Mike Garofolo. The Browns will pay Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this season, which means they trimmed over $8 million in cash and salary cap space. The Panthers will pay Mayfield around $5 million, and Mayfield has agreed to trim $3.5 million off his base salary. So Baker Mayfield, you know what this means, uh, took a pay cut to end up in the Carolina Panthers. Um, this is always the big deal between this Panthers-Browns uh, trade for Baker Mayfield was who's going to take on the most of this uh, salary in this trade. Carolina didn't want to bring on the you know 18. Uh, it was over 18 and a half million, you know the 10 and a half million this season, which means they trimmed over 8 million. So you know it was over 18 and a half million that they would have had to pay them, and they wanted the Browns to. I'm you know I'm trying to remember. I think it was 14 million. Uh, the last you know reports that were coming out over this situation, but that Baker Mayfield. There you go. Took a $3.5 million pay cut, um, allowed the Browns to only eat $10.5 million, while the Panthers are only paying them around $5 million. So what a bargain for the, a guy who's potentially going to be your starting quarterback this season. The Carolina Panthers did it right and got a big deal here um, to land Baker Mayfield now as their starting quarterback. So again, I like this trade. Big win for the Panthers. 
big win for Baker Mayfield getting out of Cleveland. Huge loss for the Seattle Seahawks, the potential third team in the sweeps, uh, sweepstakes to land Baker Mayfield. So that's all we have to talk about with this trade. Um, you know, we'll see how it wraps up. Um, as we get closer to training camp, we're going to hope to get out to Wofford, um, you know, get some boots on the ground um, at Panthers training camp, maybe see Baker Mayfield in action, some of the other quarterbacks as well. Um, and then, you know, toward the end of this month, um, do our NFC South um, edition of the season preview. So that's what we're going to jump into now. Our season preview is what you guys maybe are here for. Maybe you want to be here for the Carolina, you know, the Carolina Panthers, Baker Mayfield trade talks. But we have an agenda today to get to. So we're wrapped up with the Baker Mayfield trade talks for now. Uh, hoping to see him back uh, in action and talk about him more later on, uh, like I said, this month on the channel. But today we got to talk about some season previews in the NFC East. So we're going to bring it up here. The first team we have to discuss today will be the New York Football Giants. So the New York Giants this season entering into an interesting season. I mean, new helm, new you know ownership, new regime in place in New York, and it seems like it's the right guys in place finally in New York that they have been waiting for. Brian Dable and Joe Schoen. Joe Schoen at general manager already pretty much done a good job. I mean, I like the draft he did. Um, got some great guys in the first round. Um, some little interesting situations and picks that he had later on, but two great first round selections by him in his first year. Um, you know, bringing in Brian Dable, um, coming in with him as their new head coach. Finally, an offensive guy at the forefront in New York to help maybe turn around Daniel Jones, help turn around this offense as a whole, get Saquon Barkley back on track. I think it's finally the right guys in place in New York. And I think that now that they have these guys in place, they start getting their foundational players at key positions and they can start building this team back up to the prominence that they were once at. Um, it, you know, it was a short time ago, but it's recency. The Giants have struggled. They have struggled tremendously. And this year, ultimately what the Giants are trying to look for is maybe a revival out of Daniel Jones at quarterback under Brian Dable, um, now calling the shots with this offense. And the other thing is Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley, what is his future with this team? That's going to have to be decided this year as well. Can he get through a full season? Can he have a productive and healthy season with the Giants worthy of a new contract with the team? Or do they go a different direction? Um, try to move Saquon Barkley after this offseason and, you know, relocate and reallocate um, their resources to determine what they're going to do with the future of this roster. But the big thing, I think, is Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones now entering into a contract year. What is he going to be for this team going forward if he's going to be anything with this team going forward or do they end up going to the draft next year with a potential high draft pick and look at one of these top quarterbacks in a rich quarterback room that we haven't seen um in the last two years but you know you would say um especially last you know this past draft in april not a great quarterback draft the browns or excuse me the giants stayed away from it uh smartly so and are going to try to you know give it another run with daniel jones let him prove to you what he can do in this offense with Brian DeBall in their first year and maybe spark a little bit of a revival. I mean, this team has struggled, like I said, the past few years since changing over to uh, Daniel Jones at quarterback. And uh, we're going to try to pull it up um, as quick as we can um, here with this one um, to, you know, just talk about where this team has come from offensively the past few seasons and just talk about how much they've struggled uh, with Daniel Jones at quarterback. So you go back to the 2021, 2020-2021 um, season, um, a 6-10 missed playoff season, um, You know, 31st scoring offense, 31st total offense, 29th passing offense um, with Daniel Jones just two years ago. And then you go to last year, uh, Giants offense struggled just, you know, just as much. Um, you know, 30th scoring offense, 32nd total offense, 28th passing offense, and 32nd last, excuse me, that's the Houston Texans. Um, pull it up here. 31st scoring offense, 31st total offense, 31st passing offense, 24th rushing offense. Excuse me, getting those stats here uh, a little bit mixed up, but that's the case. So two bad seasons back-to-back -back by this Giants offense, especially um, in the passing game. And ultimately, what are they going to do? they got to figure out something here, and maybe Brian DeBall could be the answer. That's what they're hoping for. 
Um, bringing him in as you know the new offensive play caller, new head coach, someone with more stability, calling the shots for this team going forward. Uh, but an interesting thing that is coming out of you know Giants mini camp, Giants OTAs, if you will, Saquon Barkley. Maybe you know they think he could be the answer to turning around this offense. As, you know, of course, a fully healthy season by Saquon Barkley could easily do that. But they're trying to mix him up from what they normally have done. Um, it's reported that Saquon Barkley is working a little bit in the slot and working more as a receiver. Um, and, you know, trying to see how that works with him. Ultimately, you know, he's still going to be the starting running back, but they want to try to get him more involved in a different way with the offense. And the offense in general looks a lot more different this year. Um, all the reports that I've been reading and all the videos I've been watching, they're running a lot more um, motions, pre-snap, you know, pre-snap motions, utilizing that a lot more in their offense and trying to get that more involved. Maybe that can spark some juice um, on that offensive front. But the big thing to me is the wide receivers. Yes, you want to talk about wanting a jump um, from uh, Daniel Jones in this offense this year um, with Brian DeBall calling the shots. But production at wide receiver, that is what this team was hurting on last year and something they got to get figured out this year. I mean, you talk about the production last year at the wide receiver position. Kenny Galladay, he led the way for the Giants offense last year with 521 yards. Your leading receiver had 521 yards. No, your leading receiver you just brought in on a big deal last offseason to be your number one guy had 521 yards in 14 games. Behind him, Kadarius Toney, his rookie year, played 10 games, had four starts, had 420 yards. So you like what you know Kadarius Toney did, but this year, issues off the field. Now lining up in training camp, or you know, going into training camp right now on the second team offense, last year was your second leading wide receiver. And then you have Evan Ingram, 408 yards. He is now in Jacksonville. Sterling Shepard, Played seven games last year, 366 yards. He has production when he's playing, but can he be on the field? And then Darius Slayton behind him, 339 yards in 13 games played, five starts last season. That is not the production you want out of your wide receiver room. Now they tried to, you know, you know, went out this year in the draft, got Wandale Robinson. I don't think the five-seven guy is going to be the answer. It's ultimately on these guys they have. Kenny Galladay, uh, Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard. These guys have to step up in this offense if this team wants to go anywhere this season. They have to produce in that wide receiver room this season if this team wants to go anywhere. Uh, but the big thing, they've got everything in place for Daniel Jones. They got weapons for him now, a new offensive play caller. And what about the improved offensive line? That's what the Giants have done this year that I have liked a lot in terms of what they've been able to do surrounding Daniel Jones with big guys up front that keep him protected, keep him upright in the pocket, and you know ultimately try to let him make plays with the football and you know get the ball to some of these weapons that he has. So you know you got uh, coming in John Feliciano, Mark Linowski, Evan Neal, the big guy. Evan Neal's a big one at right tackle, um, and then you know left tackle you still got a young you know promising guy in Andrew Thomas that you want to get him back on the right path in terms of what you know you drafted him to be in the first round. But bringing in John Feliciano um, at center is a big move. Evan Neal's a great guy at tackle. Andrew Thomas, you know, you get him back around. I mean, just Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas alone. Those are two foundational guys. I talked about this team, what they want to do this year now that they have the right regime in place. They want to find their foundational guys. I think their foundational guys, they already have that at tackle. And Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas. I think Andrew Thomas, you know, was a little bit shaken up last year at times. Um, you know, wasn't exactly what you wanted him to be. The same way um, in 2020 as well. But still, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal up front at tackle. Those are your two foundational guys that you want to build around for the future of this team. Whether it's Daniel Jones at quarterback, whoever's at quarterback, those two guys are now in place. You have them long-term franchise guys at offensive tackle now and on defense you have two of those guys as well on that defensive line one you drafted last year one you drafted in the first round again this year we talked you know just talked about evan neal being the first round pick also first round pick um this year was Kayvon thibodeau the big proclaimed name out of oregon you know at times during the process of last year's draft you know early process of last year's draft k 
Kayvon Thibodeau was expected to be the number one guy in last year's class. The Giants were able to slide him in and also get Aziz Ojolari last year. Those two, like I said, foundational guys. You have four foundational guys, two on offense at tackle, two on defense at the edge rusher position, you know, pass rushers on this defensive line. Two young guys who are going to eat together on opposite sides of that defensive line are two guys I'm excited to see in the league alone uh, playing together as Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, two young guys in New York. I'm excited about having big years this year. Uh, like I said, just two promising young guys on that defense. But the big thing on defense, you, know, you talk about the New York Giants, the big thing on defense is one of the players they just lost and a big loss on defense was cornerback James Bradbury. Trading him to the Philadelphia Eagles is a move, or you know, losing him to the Philadelphia Eagles is a move I hated to see. It made no sense to me why the Giants will let go of James Bradbury because they have one of the weakest secondaries and you know weakest cornerback positions even in the National Football League this year. I mean, they got two safeties um, that I like a lot, uh, so I don't want to just say you know secondary when I talk about the loss of James Bradbury for this team. But, you know, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, I think it's a good duo um, in that back end. Um, you know, your center fielders of that defense at the safety position. But at cornerback, they are hurting tremendously without having um, James Bradbury in place anymore. Dory Jackson set to be your number one cornerback. And then you got Cordell Float, uh, Darnay Holmes, Rodarius Williams, and Aaron Robinson. Who is your number two out of those four guys? Once we get into training camp, once we get into the season, playing actual opponents in actual games, how are they going to find that number two cornerback on this defense? Dory Jackson, I don't even have faith in him being a number one cornerback on this defense. You had a surefire number one cornerback who played tremendously last season, and you get rid of him. It just baffles me, and I will never be under, you know, never be able to understand it. Why they got rid of that guy um, in James Bradbury this offseason. They had no one in place to take over for him. They did nothing this offseason to replace him going forward into this season. That's the position I think you want to start trying to get a franchise guy in, and they weren't able to do so this offseason. So in that secondary, they're going to be hurting this year um, in New York. Last year, the 15th-ranked passing defense. This year, that number, I think, is going to go down um, in terms of their passing defense with the situation going on right now at cornerback. But the big thing, you know, Blake Martinez looks set to have another great year at inside linebacker. Um, and then up front, you got some great guys on that defensive line. I talked about Kayvon Thibodeau. I talked about Aziz Aljilari. Leonard Williams also at edge, maybe a little overpaid in my opinion um, with what they're going to be using him for this year. But, you know, Dexter Lawrence, he's going to be great as well um, in that interior of that defensive line. So that's what we're looking at for the New York Giants. Find your foundational players. I don't know if Daniel Jones is going to be that guy. He's going to have to show a lot this season to prove that he's going to be that guy after this year. But Saquon Barkley, is he going to be your guy? You know, your foundational franchise running back. He could prove that to be the case this year. And then at, you know, wide receiver. Figure out those guys. Figure out how that you know room is going to shake out and be able to produce this season. And then at the end of the day, the Giants are going to have a low draft pick this year. I you know just got to be frank with it. I don't expect big high expect you know I have I don't have high expectations for this Giants team this year. They're going to be a bottom eight team, a bottom five team potentially. But that was going to put them in a big mark you know market in the draft next year to potentially move around potentially find their guy at quarterback. Whatever the case, they're going to be in a position to find another foundational guy in the draft next year and then see what happens um, going forward. But this year, season preview of the Giants, it looks bleak, but we'll just see what happens. We'll see what happens in the first year of Brian DeBalls. Hopefully we see some transformation of this team we haven't seen in years, and we'll see what the case will be going forward for the New York football Giants. Now let's change it up here and go to our second team in the NFC East. We're going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, the self-proclaimed America's team. The Dallas Cowboys this year going in for another season, hoping to secure yet another NFC East crown. This division has always been tricky to win um, in the past. And we talked about uh, two years back, the Washington football team, you know, you know, formerly Washington football team, 
winning that division with what a seven and nine record i believe it was uh for the washington football team we'll pull it up you know try to pull it up uh to confirm that yeah seven and nine nfc east champs uh losing to the tampa bay buccaneers who went on to win the super bowl in the wild card round so seven and nine champions the dallas cowboys uh taking it back from them uh this year winning the you know this past season winning the division uh we'll try to pull up the season that they just had so the dallas cowboys going in another year with dak prescott you know last year the return of dak prescott was the big thing going into the season you know this time last year dak prescott coming back uh from you know that season ending injury that he had 12 and 5 record. I mean, like I said, NFC East champs losing the wild card round to the San Francisco 49ers at home in Jerry's world. But still, 12 and 5 record. This team had a tremendous jump um, from what they had, you know, the season before. And the big thing, of course, was Dak Prescott coming back. But this year, a lot of key losses at a lot of positions and a lot of answers that they're going to have to figure out going forward from this team. So, first and foremost, CD Lamb. He is now set to be the number one wide receiver of this offense. Yes, you can, you know, there's arguments. Was he the number one offense before with Amari Cooper um, there on the team? Whatever the case, he is now, he is the number one wide receiver of this offense. Now that Amari Cooper has been traded to the Cleveland Browns um, way earlier uh, this offseason for pretty much bread and butter, um, it seemed like with, you know, that deal that um, the Cleveland Browns were able to get for him. But C.D. Lamb set to enter that number one wide receiver spot. You got Michael Gallup behind him, a comeback year potentially for him, back with this offense, and then bringing in James Washington in free agency um, from the Pittsburgh Steelers and Jalen Tolbert, drafting him as well. I've seen a lot of headlines about Jalen Tolbert, the impact he's already had uh, throughout the minicamp, uh, offseason, OTAs process so far um, in Dallas. So C.D. Lamb, how is he going to step up in this number one wide receiver role? Um, something I'm really key on. Um, I think he has the potential to be a top guy in the National Football League at the position, and now he has an avenue to do it. With Amari Cooper out of the out of the picture now in Dallas, he has the opportunity to get some of these targets his way uh, this year and produce at a high level. So a big year potentially on the way for um, Amari Cooper, or excuse me, CeeDee Lamb, who last year topped over 1,000 yards, uh, 1,102 yards, six touchdowns, um, ended up getting 79 receptions. Uh, but, you know, the targets, he went from 111 targets his rookie year, 120 targets last year with Amari Cooper still in place. What does that target share look like now? Amari Cooper out of the picture. Who gets all those targets? How many are going to go C.D. Lamb's way, being the number one wide receiver now, set in stone of this offense going into this season? And the other, um, you know, big storyline this offseason has been Tony Pollard as well. How they're working Tony Pollard into this offense um, you know, a lot of people gave up on Ezekiel Elliott last year. It doesn't seem like the Dallas Cowboys were one of those people. The Dallas Cowboys still have a lot of trust in Ezekiel Elliott being the lead guy of this offense, and rightfully so. Um, I also have a lot of high hopes in Ezekiel Elliott this year um, with the offense in Dallas this season. But Tony Pollard, they sought to find a way to get him on the field. Last year, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, at times had got a little banged up, and Tony Pollard was able to step in and be the laid back for this offense. But once Zeke was back in the picture, he came right back in, leading the way in the carries for this team. But how are they going to get Tony Pollard back on the field? That's the question in Dallas. And right now, he's been exploring a wide receiver role. We talked about that with Saquon Barkley, you know, him being used in the slot. Same thing from Tony Pollard. What we've seen from Dallas, um, you know, this offseason, OTAs, minicamp, they're using him a lot in the slot which offers a lot more opportunities in the backfield for Ezekiel Elliott. And also some big things for Tony Pollard as well. I mean, you can create a lot of different looks on offense and a lot of different schemes on offense utilizing both Zeke and Pollard at the same time, um, you know, on the same play. You know, you put Tony Pollard in the slot, you can motion him back, have a two-back set uh, with those two guys. You can, you know, do a lot of things there out of, you know, some RPOs in the offense. You can even throw to Pollard, you know, do some swing passes with him out of the slot, motion him hit him in, do some toss passes. A lot of different avenues. I like this move. Moving Tony Pollard around and getting him on the field. He's an explosive guy when he's on the field in Dallas, and they like him a lot. Finding more ways to get him involved with the offense and also keeping Ezekiel Elliott fresh and on the field is going to do big things for this Cowboys offense this season. The other thing with this Cowboys offense, um, and then we'll switch up and talk about the defense, but Dalton Schultz, 
Um, what are they going to do with him right now still um, in a contract battle uh, with Dalton Schultz? Um, got him on the franchise tag, but he is looking to be on you know a more um, you know safe deal. He's frustrated right now um, with contract talks. I don't think he was at any of the OTAs. Um, they didn't even get him back in place. I mean, Dalton Schultz, they have a lot of high hopes for him in this offense in Dallas. Um, you know, being a, you know, top 10 tight end and getting him up that ranks, using him a lot more uh, last year. Um, you know, didn't quite get to 1,000 yards, 808 yards, but he had eight touchdowns. He had more touchdowns than CeeDee Lamb last year. So using him a lot in their offense, getting into the end zone, rightfully so for him wanting to get a new contract in place. Um, this season had you know a big jump in 2020, a even bigger jump last year in 2021. Um, started 15 games for the Dallas Cowboys last year. Getting him in place and figuring out this contract situation is going to be huge for the Cowboys. Um, you know, I believe they lost. Uh, let me actually check it here. Um, I do believe, yeah, they lost uh, Blake Jarwin, but got uh, Jake Ferguson from uh, Wisconsin in the draft this year. But Dalton Schultz, he's going to be that number one guy at tight end. Get your guys paid. I'm a huge advocate of paying your guys. And you use him, you like him, you want him to you know, be used in the future. I mean, they gave him the franchise tag. They obviously want to keep him around in Dallas. Get your guys paid. That's what the Dallas Cowboys have to do here with Dalton Schultz. I talked about it with some of my other uh, team breakdowns I've done the last couple of weeks. You know, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, now Dalton Schultz. Get your guy paid. He's due. He's worth it. He's proven himself to the team. Get your guys paid um, in terms of Dalton Schultz and his contract situation in Dallas. So now let's switch to the defense um, in Dallas. And this one will be the interesting one to determine what this team does this season. So they brought back Dan Quinn. Huge win for the Dallas Cowboys. Bringing him back at defensive coordinator. He made incredible uh, you know, leaps last year for this Cowboys defense. Calling the shots uh, for that unit. And now the big headlines this week from Micah Parsons. Last year's rookie out of Penn State, played a little linebacker, played a little box safety even, played a lot on the defensive line. A huge guy um, for that defense last year in his rookie season alone. He came out and said that he and Trayvon Diggs could be better, or could be the Dallas version, and yeah, maybe even better, I believe he said, then Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey from the Super Bowl champs um, in L.A. I mean, last year, Micah Parsons, like I said, tremendous rookie year. 13 sacks, 84 tackles, 30 QB hits on the way to a defensive rookie of the year. Um, nod for him. Trayvon Diggs, he was an interception machine. That guy was all over the football last year getting interceptions. But was he the best cover guy? Maybe not. I mean, honestly, you know, my personal opinion, neither was Jalen Ramsey. But still, I don't know. That is a you know hefty expectations Micah Parsons is throwing here, um, talking about the impact he can have with Trayvon Diggs in this defense. Yeah, even better. Micah Parsons said that him and Trayvon Diggs can be even better than Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Aaron Donald, you know, the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Jalen Ramsey, one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the National Football League. Could Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs that duo in Dallas be even better than those two guys. That's going to what you know. That's going to be incredible to see. I mean, that you talk, you know, you talk about a leap and an impact and an improvement from the Dallas Cowboys. Those two guys could be the ones to do it. I mean, Michael Parsons, tremendous rookie year, like I said last year. He follows that up with an even better sophomore season. Trayvon Diggs gets a little bit better in the coverage department, but keeps those interceptions, ball hawk skills in place that he had last year. They could be just as good. I'm not going to say even better, but as a duo could be just as good on this defense for the Dallas Cowboys, and they're going to need them to. If they're going to retake this, you know, not retake, but hold their throne in this division, hold, you know, the King's chair in the NFC East, they're going to need that defense to step up. I think the offense stays as good as they were. You know, I, you know what? I think the Dallas Cowboys averaged, you know, right at or even more than 30 points a game last year on offense. Uh, might have to check the math on that one, but still, they were a you know great offensive group last year. They put up points. You know, it looks like they're going to keep doing that this year. Pretty much bringing back the same group of guys. They lost Leo Collins at um, on the offensive line. That hurts a big loss up front. 
but still they got all the right tools in place still got a lot of pieces on defense uh lost randy gregory on the defensive line i think they're going to just ask more out of micah parsons um in that regard to replace um him but still have you know demarcus lawrence on that defense the defense still pretty much intact uh, for what they had last year um the other thing um at safety you know Jalen cures malik hooker coming into town um you know the other thing uh, at linebacker with Leighton Vanderesh that they have as well brought in you know brought in Dante Fowler Jr. got some deep guys at the position um, on the you know on the unit um, excuse me on that defensive side of the ball um, in Dallas I'm expecting them to you know pick up the pace there some you know let some of their stars increase uh, what they're able to do this past season and that is going to be the kicker for this team going forward this year so the Dallas Cowboys high hopes uh, you know, I, yeah, I have high, you know, high hopes for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, a easy double-digit win season, but they're going to have to compete if they want to keep this division crown in the NFC East for a team we're going to be talking about not next, but the one after that uh, to wrap up the episode. So previewing the next team will be the Washington Commanders, the newly named Washington Commanders. Uh, we'll talk about it here. Like I said earlier, formerly Washington football team. Now, Washington Commanders entering into this season with a new quarterback at the helm and a new contract on the way, signed, sealed, and delivered, finally, for Terry McLaurin, scary Terry at wide receiver. No one deserved a contract more than Terry McLaurin, a true, you know, just absolute true great guy, a great guy that they have at wide receiver. This guy... He's great. I mean, you know, what better to say than he's just a great guy. He's a tremendous leader of this team. When no one else stepped up in Washington, when all, you know, pretty much all hell broke loose for this Washington organization, Terry McLaurin stood tall. He was the guy that stepped up and decided to be a leader. Even as a rookie, stepped up to be a leader of this team, never wavered, never, you know, in the face of all the adversities in Washington. Terry McLaurin stayed consistent and consistently stayed as a great leader and great guy. And no one deserved a contract more this offseason than Terry McLaurin. So round of applause, hats off um, for the Terry McLaurin deal that he was able to land. Um, I believe it was last week, but a big deal, big extension that was, like I said, heavily, heavily um, deserved and rewarded um, in Washington. But we did discuss. Yeah, here we go. Three-year extension, $71 million to remain with the Washington Commanders. While I would have liked for him to end up to my Green Bay Packers, still, the bag was due and the bag was earned for Terry McLaurin. Now let's talk about the guy who's going to be throwing him the ball. He's in place for the next three years. Let's talk about the guy throwing him the ball. Carson Wentz, entering into his third team in three years. Carson Wentz last year um, ended up with the Indianapolis Colts being traded from the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles took on a hefty, you know, lump sum to get him traded um, from the Philadelphia Eagles um, to the Indianapolis Colts. And then the Colts, after one year, said we're done. And did the same thing the Eagles did, took on another lump sum to send him away to be someone else's problem. But, I mean, Carson Wentz last year, had he had ups and downs. And sometimes he had more ups than downs. I mean, a 27-7 interception ratio last year, 3,500 yards. But the 9-8 and eight record ultimately was the kicker for the Indianapolis Colts last year. And the big kicker was that, you know, Week 18 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where you're fighting for the playoffs, you go into Jacksonville, a team that was flat-out abysmal last year. One of the worst seasons we've seen in the National Football League. An absolute crap show up front leading that team um, in Urban Meyer. All of these situations going on in Jacksonville, you would have to think, going into that environment, on the road, week 18, playoffs on the line, you got to get a win. But they did not drop the bag. Carson Wentz, a big reason because of it. Like I said, ups and downs last year. Uh, Pat McAfee says it best. That's a guy that, you know, your heart is wrenching. Every time you see him on the field with the football, because you don't know what he's going to do with it. You know, he, I mean, the big thing, 
that everyone talks about in last about last year is the double sprain ankle play for Carson Wentz, where it's a situation where you just let the play die, live to play another down. Um, but, you know, he battled back from that injury, came back on the field for the Colts, but ultimately it wasn't enough. Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard, and in Indianapolis shipping him to the Washington Commanders. So, like I said, third team in three years for Carson Wentz. What is it going to look like this year? How are things going to be different this year in Washington? Um, you know, working with Ron Rivera, working with this new offense, new weapons, um, you know, some uh, offensive line might be slightly more improved than what you were dealing with last year in Indianapolis. I like the offense that they have, or excuse me, offensive line that they have up front in Washington. I still think even after losing Flowers and Sheriff and free agency that this unit might still be pretty deep and productive. Um, despite those two losses. But either way, Carson Wentz, if Washington wants to do anything this year, they need Carson Wentz to re uh, return to that near-MVP-like run he had. I mean, it was the same year the Eagles went on win to win the Super Bowl without him. Uh, but still, return to that level. If he can return to that level, be consistent, be smart with the football is the big thing from Carson Wentz. That's where the commanders will shine this year, offensively. But ultimately... That's not the you know the bread and butter of this team. The you know this team their identity has to be on their defense. Get back to your roots in Washington, Jack Del Rio, uh, Ron Rivera. Get that defense back to what it was supposed to be. I mean we talk about it back in 2021. The Washington football team had the fourth scoring defense, the second total defense, the second passing defense in the National Football League. And then last year, what happened? I mean, what happened? There was no big injuries. You're not losing big guys up front. You're not losing big stars, big playmakers. What happened? 25th scoring defense. 22nd total defense. 29th passing defense. I mean, you improved in the rushing defense at least, but you bottomed out in every other statistical category on defense. What happened? This year, they've got to get that answered for the Washington Commanders this year because, like I said, that is the true identity of this team. If they want to improve this year, if they want to reclaim their title atop the NFC East, that defense has to find the spark that will reignite the entire unit and get them back on track because they still have players. They still have great players on that defense. De'Aaron Payne, Jonathan Allen on the you know at defensive tackle. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, one of the best, you know, should be the best defensive pass rusher, you know, defensive edge rushing duo in the National Football League. You know, you got a second year in Jamin Davis. Took him, in the, you know, the first round last year. I thought it was a little surprise of a pick, but he ended up being productive in year one. 76 tackles. Um, you know, you'll like to see a lot more in the, you know, sack department. Um, try and make some more, um, you know, schemes and draw up some more things on the blueprints for him this year with the defense um but still Kendall Fuller William Jackson um this you know William Jackson the third they're gonna run it back you know Benjamin St. Justy Troy Apke um at corner and then at safety as well I mean you, you know Cameron Curl a guy who's worked up the ranks of this defense and then Bobby McCain now this year um gonna fill in the place of Landon Collins who's still out there in free agency um, you know, the Dallas Cowboys got $22 million in cap space. Why not go after Landon Collins or even anybody with your $22 million in active cap space right now? But still, with the Washington Commanders, you have everything in place on this defense. Why can you not return to the level you were at in 2021, being one of the top units in the National Football League? That's what they got to get back to. And then if Carson Wentz plays smart with the football, keeps the defense off the field long enough to recover and rest and play at a high level, this team can start to win games again and try to get back on track after what happened last year. You know, 7-10 record last year. Um, you know, same wins as last year, but, you know, that extra game um, ended up being the precursor for this team. You know, losing, you know, 10 losses last year. Something's got to change this year. And, you know, the wide receivers, they look great. I mean, especially with Terry McLaurin now locked in place. Hopefully you got Curtis Samuel coming back onto the field this year, and then you can see what uh, you know rookie first rounder Jahan Dotson does out of Penn State. How do they you know work him into this offense? The other thing for the Washington football team is what happens at running back, because it seems like Antonio Gibson's stock has absolutely plummeted throughout this offseason. 
I mean, yes, you know, they were able to bring back um, a big guy that they loved in their offense in Washington, and J.D. McKissick stole him back from the Buffalo Bills. But then they went out and got Brian Robinson Jr. Um, out of Alabama. You got last year's rookie going into his second year in Jarrett Patterson. It seems like this team is starting to turn away from Antonio Gibson. I don't understand why. He had a good rookie year. Last year dealt with a lot of injuries, you know, an ag- you know nagging injury the entire season long. I believe it was an ankle or uh, leg injury it was um, that Antonio Gibson had. Um, you know, what's happening there? Um, is he, you know, his stock seems to be bottoming out and plummeting uh, with these new guys coming into the team. But last year, he still got over 1,000 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. I don't understand why everyone's giving up on Gibby all of a sudden going into this season now. Um, into year three in the National Football League. He you know, didn't improve in the touchdown department, went from 11 touchdowns to seven, but he went from 795 yards to 1,037 yards. He improved. Uh, I expected to maybe see him more in the passing game, um, but only went up you know, six receptions from his rookie year to his sophomore year. A you know, big part of that, of course, was J.D. McKissick, what he does in the passing game. But I don't understand. I think that you know, Antonio Gibson is a serviceable back. That you should be riding right now with this, you know, offense. Honestly, make him the focal point, in my opinion, of this offense. I don't understand why his stock is plummeting right now in Washington, but still, Rod Rivera likes his style. It's the same style he did in Carolina. He wants to emulate a good two-back set system like he did in Carolina and run things more like a committee. And that committee part, you know, brings me to believe, and a lot of people out there, that Brian Robinson is going to get involved early in this offense as a rookie and then J.D. McKissick is going to have a lot more snap share this year than he has in years past they brought him back they stole him from the Buffalo Bills they're going to use him a lot more you'd have to think in this offense going forward in Washington but like I said everything else uh, seems to be good in place it's all on that defense that defense in Washington has to return to a level that is top of the league that they once were get that back on track what happened there figure it out and then hope that Carl Wentz doesn't do anything boneheaded or stupid like he is bound to do at some point. Minimize the mistakes, maximize the opportunities on defense. That's the recipe for this team to continue forward and to hopefully retake this throne in the NFC East. So we'll see what happens um, in Washington. The big thing, breathe. For Washington fans, it's over. Terry McLaurin, back on a contract. That you can smile about. And then we'll see what happens once it starts to get closer to game time. So last but not least, the team we have, last team, excuse me, we have to talk about in this NFC East division, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles, if I were to do my way too early prediction of the NFC East, I say the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win this division. Uh, But like I said, that's way too early. We'll see what the Dallas Cowboys do. I said I had high expectations for them. We'll have to wait and see on how the commanders look on the field. But I think on paper right now, I think the Eagles might be the team to beat in this division this year. And the big thing for me is A.J. Brown. I think A.J. Brown might be the, finally, might be the missing piece that this offense has been looking for for the last two, three, four years. They got him in place. A bombshell trade that happened during the draft. That, you know, took me out of left field during my draft show that I had on the channel here. Mid-draft trade. A.J. Brown going to the Philadelphia Eagles. They finally found their contested catch machine. Their number one guy. A reliable option in the passing game. A, you know, full package at wide receiver that they could have had in D.K. Metcalf that they could have had in Justin Jefferson. You know, maybe they could have had him uh, last year as well. Uh, I mean, no, I'm not going to bash Devonta Smith. I think Devonta Smith is still going to be a big part in this offense. We'll not compare him near as much um, to the situation we have with Jalen Rager, who might not even make the roster come the start of the season. But still, A.J. Brown, he is going to be the missing piece of this offense, I feel, in Philadelphia Devonta Smith is going to be their downfield threat. Um, you know, get back to his roots that he showcased in Alabama, uh, showcased a little bit last year, but more comfortable position for Devonta Smith entering into year two. And then he filled it out. Um, you got Quez Watkins, a guy, you know, I talked about, you know, earning up the ranks with your team. Quez Watkins, that's the case with him in Philadelphia. And then you brought in Zach Paschal, 
um, out of Indianapolis to be your number four guy in this offense. Um, you know, you still have um, at tight end Dallas Goddard, a great guy that you know has really stepped up since the trade of Zach Ertz, and you know, you know, pretty much fueled the trade of Zach Ertz from this team last year is the impact that Dallas Goddard has been able to have with this team. But ultimately, A.J. Brown in this offense is going to be tremendous. A big option for Jalen Hurts to target reliably and consistently to move the chains. You know, when you need a play, he's the guy to make it. He was that way in Tennessee you know, while he was on the field. I think he's going to be that way again in Philadelphia. Keep him healthy. He's going to make an impact, an immediate impact for this team and for this offense this year. And the other thing, I think Jalen Hurts makes a huge jump this year going in uh, to, what is it, year three in the National Football League for Jalen Hurts. I think this is the year he blows up. Usually it's the year three guys, that quarterback, that finally take that jump. Um, I think Jalen Hurts is that guy. I think he's lining up for a career this career year this year and might be the quarterback one in the NFL this season. Might be the top guy in fantasy, might be the top stat guy overall at the quarterback position this year. I think he's you know primed. Where he's at physically, this guy looks great. All the pictures of Jalen Hurts this offseason, this guy has packed on some muscle and has put in the work this year in terms of what he's you know in line to do this season. I'm excited for a new number one wide receiver, another year, you know, fully being the guy. This is his, you know, his year to have a career year and earn a big contract this offseason. You know, excuse me, you know, the following offseason, next offseason with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's his time to shine. I mean, you know, 16 touchdowns passing last year. That number is going to go up tremendously this year with A.J. Brown in the fold just because he opens things up for this offense. Like I said, a do-it-all, full-package guy at wide receiver now opens the big, you know, the big play threat with a Quez Watkins, with a Devonta Smith, um, you know, downfield threats in this offense. They'll open things up for the running game as well. You know, being able to pass the ball more and target A.J. Brown in this offense that's going to open things up in the running game for Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, whoever is the guy in that running back committee in Philadelphia. They're going to have things opened up for them just because of the impact A.J. Brown is bringing to this team this year. So I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, like I said, um, Jalen Hurts, he's going to have to, you know, it's his year. It's his year to prove himself in Philadelphia to be the guy I think he does that this year. A QB one year. I'm proclaiming it. QB one year from Jalen Hurts this year in Philadelphia will be a big impact for this team going forward. But not only the weapons on offense, and not only just you know AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts that I'm excited about. I'm excited about this defense in Philadelphia. There's a lot to like with the stars that they have and that they brought in. I mean, even brought in some stars. You know, we'll talk about first the one they brought in from the New York Giants because we talked about them earlier um, in this episode. Going in to Philadelphia is James Bradbury. Teaming up in that cornerback room with Darius Big Play Slay and Avante Maddox. I mean, you also got Zach McPherson. Four great depth options at the cornerback position, led by two studs at the position. I talked about how tremendous James Bradbury was last year, and Darius Slay was still pretty serviceable. And, you know, at times made big, you know, he's the big play guy. He made big plays, had a pick six last year. I think he had two pick sixes last year, actually. Uh, for this Philadelphia Eagles defense being their number one guy. Now a tag team number two. And then adding in some more additions to that secondary. Um, you also have uh, Jaquaski, or excuse me, Jaquiski Tart coming in um, in the last couple of weeks with Anthony Harris, Kavana Wallace at safety. Um, inside linebacker in Philadelphia, Kazir White, uh, TJ Edwards. And the big thing, N'Kobe Dean. I'm a big N'Kobe Dean fan from Georgia, and I hope he absolutely proves everyone wrong and makes everyone regret the 2022 NFL draft because of where N'Kobe Dean was drafted back in April's draft. It was, you know, not fair for him and not fair for his impact that he is going to have this year. You know, he had an injury that really hurt his draft projection. Uh, but still, N'Kobe Dean going 83 overall to the Philadelphia Eagles was an absolute steal by the Eagles in last year's draft. I hope he absolutely steps into that number uh, one role at linebacker, uh, maybe even challenges Kazir White for the starting job. I hope N'Kobe Dean goes on an absolute tear, even as a rookie this year for the Philadelphia Eagles, because a great guy that he is, and you know he had his you know issues going into the draft that you know maybe you, you can point to as what knocked him down, 
but even aside of that should not have fallen to where he was and where he was selected last year the Eagles got a steal and hope he proves everyone wrong next year um, and absolutely dominates you know this coming season but outside of their inside linebacker position what you got on that defensive line at the edge I mean Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett running it back you add in Hassan Reddick to that unit you also got Josh Sweat, Kieran Johnson guys that can produce at a high level on that you know defensive edge and then how about the middle the middle of this defense absolute enormous guys in Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis coming in in that first round this year um let's see pull up the actual stats so Fletcher Cox Jordan Davis I know Jordan Davis um, is enormous um in terms of you know his size of you know in that defensive line 6'6 340 pounds what a behemoth ran faster than Patrick Mahomes in the combine teaming him up with Fletcher Cox 6'4 310 two monsters on the inside of that defensive line they got guys now on that defense that are going to produce and guys all over at every single position now on that defense I think the Eagles defense has a big jump next year and the offense man that's the one I'm excited about in Philadelphia AJ Brown Jalen Hurts Devonta Smith these guys meshing up getting into place are going to be big for this team last year number one rushing offense number 25th passing offense last year that passing offense is going to go up that rushing offense with Jalen Hurts still going to be as effective as it was last year and still going to be one of the you know world-class rushing offenses in the National Football League and you get that passing number up uh you know 25th passing offense with AJ Brown that, you know him being a factor alone and a presence alone already puts that number I would say at 20 this year that's before we even get on the field and to see how these guys mesh up together um and then defense you know pretty much outside of you know a pass rushing defense um we're close to top 10 I mean ninth in rushing 10 uh, excuse me 11th in passing 10th in total offense scoring you know they allowed a pretty good, you know fair amount of points last year 18th scoring defense but you know ultimately they've added in some pieces Jordan Davis and James Bradbury and Nicobe Dean that are going to be impacts in year one um you know Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean in year one and James Bradbury coming into his first year in Philadelphia those guys are going to be impactful guys for this defense I'm excited to see um, how they do this year and the other thing um, to pull up as well this offensive line the Eagles have done a great job I mean Howie Roseman is one of the best uh, front office executives you know general managers in the National Football League always finds a way to fill out his roster and you know understands when people are going to leave and how to replace them and you talk about Landon Dickerson coming in you know he's slated to be guard eventually he's going to take over at center for this team you got Lane Johnson as well um, you know guys that are up front Jordan Maliata um, uh, I mean guys that are great on that offensive line Andre Dillard um, Cameron Jurgens, Jack Driscoll guys who have started before who are in the depth of this offensive line they have built for the long term and done great, you know, a great job of filling out what potentially could happen with this team. You know, Brandon, uh, who was it? Uh, I believe uh, Brandon Brooks. Yeah, losing him to retirement at offensive guard, you're able to immediately slap in uh, Landon Dickerson to fill that role. And I think you know maybe next year when Jason Kelsey leaves, you can immediately slap in Landon Dickerson at center, and then you just got to replace that guard position. This team does a great job of always you know expecting um how this roster is going to shake up in years in advance and do what they can to put everything in place um you know year after year to fill out the roster um i'm you know i have high hopes for the philadelphia eagles i talked about right now my way to early predictions the eagles are going to win this division looking at it right now the eagles are the winners i think in the nfc east and you know last year getting into the playoffs i don't think that was a fluke year i think they get a higher seed this year you know as a division winner being one of the top four seeds in the national football league this year i think they slap in maybe as a four seed um I, you know i don't think that they rank um as high as you know the nfc south you know nfc west nfc north guys but i think they come in here as a three or four seed you know more likely a four seed in this year's playoffs if not they're a lock as a wild card team i have high hopes for them offensively defensively all across the board high hopes in philly this year um, in terms of what i think is going to happen but that's all we have 
for today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, you know, a little bit of some trade talk at the beginning of the episode, and then you know went right into it. Season preview of the NFC East. Uh, so thank you all for watching. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, sup guys in the chat. Um, uh, <laughs> normal guy, baby. Yeah, thanks guys for tuning in. Appreciate you guys. If you have not already, like and subscribe if you enjoyed the episode and want to catch up with some of the other episodes that we are going to have um, in the next couple of weeks, continuing to break down these season previews uh, divisionally. And once we get all the divisions wrapped up, stay tuned because we're going to go game by game and figure out all of the records for every single team this year. We did it last year. I'm going to do it again this year, and we'll see how accurate we can predict this year's NFL season. So thank you all for tuning in. Thank you all for stopping by. If you missed any part of today's episode and want to catch back up, it will be posted on the channel, um, on YouTube, at The Saw Sports Show, and also on the podcast. If you can't check it out on YouTube or you're driving around, you know whether it be work, whatever the case, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Anchor. Anywhere you get a podcast, you'll find us at The Saw Sports Show. We're there as well. Uh, so thank you guys for tuning in. Great as always. Um, so until next time, peace.